particular. One of the first prayers that I ever prayed when I was called to Shady Grove, I, I was saved when I was 30 years old. I'd been a state trooper for the years before that. I went to work for the state the earliest age that they would let me start and worked till I was 30, got saved, and um, called to the ministry four months later. And so um, our heart's always been for the church. We pastored, went, went to Southwestern, graduated from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and uh, pastored First Baptist Church Johnson City, Texas, and moved to Shady Grove in 1974. And I, the first prayer that I prayed and the first sermon that I preached at Shady Grove was a God-given word out of Psalms 2. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. And I said, God, I'm asking you. And somehow, missions just got deep inside of me. Not just missions to the nations, but missions to areas in our own country that needs to be touched by the Lord. And so I was praying recently and was reading again where Jesus said in the end of, in the last part of, of Matthew, um, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And I wonder what the church thinks of that passage of scripture. What is it that the church, the church at large, not you, obviously what I've heard here a moment ago was you're going to the nations and you love, the, you love your own area and your own nation. But what has the church at large been thinking? What is it about go therefore that, that they don't understand? How hard is that to understand that we're to go? But there's something interesting about it. They had been with Jesus, though, for those three years, and uh, some of them for less than that, but they'd been with him. And he started off by saying, all authority is given to me, therefore go. Because he was going to go with them. And I think that's the, that's the thing that I would like to sort of capitalize on tonight. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles, if you brought your Bible. Did, did all of you bring your Bibles? I, I, I pray that you did. Uh, turn with me to Mark chapter 5. And it's going to be a strange passage of Scripture as we begin to, to talk about it. But I'm, I'm wanting to talk about, uh, you remember the Gadarene demoniac? How many, how many of you have heard the story of the Gadarene demoniac? Um, it, it, it's, it's a tremendous story, but verses 19 and 20 I, I want to build a background to verse 19 and 20, if you'll uh, hang with me. So I want to just talk about the front and part of it, uh, the part of it in front of these two passages of Scripture. Remember, there was this guy that, um, for some reason, one reason or another, was just out of his mind, demonized, had opened himself up in some way to the demonic and uh, had a whole legion of demons. And he would run around the cemetery and everywhere else. And people were even afraid of him, the scripture says. 
and he would just cry out real loud and it was just like out of his mind and would cut himself and there, there wasn't any way they could hold him. They would put chains around him and, and he would break the chains and there was nothing, nothing could do. The, he was separated, he was lonely, he was by himself. No one else would have anything to do with him. Obviously, they treated him as being really unclean, living. He, his abode was in the cemetery, some place, in some cave, in some place he was living in, in this old, what we call cemetery today. When Jesus appeared, and um, it was interesting that Jesus was on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, where this demoniac was, was on the east side. But over on the west side, Jesus was already there teaching and had already gathered quite a big, large crowd. Thousands of people were coming and listening to him teach. And he was teaching even on some of the parables that you and I both know very well, was teaching on the parables. And then in the middle of this great ministry, he just tells his disciples, pick up, we're going to the other side. I'm sure they couldn't understand why, because they had been walking with him for almost three years at that point, not quite, but almost three years, and they, they believed that he was the Messiah, and now then, finally, there was coming some acceptance, and there were crowds coming from all over, not only from Israel, but from surrounding countries to listen to him. And now then, all of a sudden, in the middle of what appears to be a moment when he was being acknowledged, and, and maybe he was, I mean, they believed he was going to be the Messiah, that they would sit on one side or the other of him on, on the throne in, in Israel because they saw the, the kingdom that he had come with or for as being a natural kingdom. And they, they thought, man, this is the time. And right in the middle of it, he just says, okay, let's get up and let's go over to the other side. I'm not even sure Jesus understood why he went to the, was going to the other side. Because I believe that Jesus only did the things that he saw the Father do or heard the Father say. And he did those things. As a person, like, the, like we are, we, would, we, we have to hear. He heard and he only did the things that he heard. Now then the, the father says, I want you to go to the other side. I don't know if he knew why or not. I don't think he did. Just go to the other side. Is that enough for him to say that? Stop what you're doing. The disciples didn't understand that. Jesus understood he was going to have to fully obey. And, and they, I'm, I'm sure they didn't understand. I couldn't hear them right now saying, what in the world are you guys doing? I mean, what are you doing, Jesus? These, these people are coming now, and the other disciples, they've come and talked to me about it. And, um, and we don't think that you're hearing from God. Well, this is where we're supposed to stay. Jesus says, no, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. I can imagine going to the other side was the time when they were in the storm and he was asleep in front of the boat. That was that, that's in chapter 4. And, and so here we go to the other side. I can hear them say right now, I knew he didn't hear God. We're in the middle of a storm. We're about to sink. We've been fishermen all these years. We've never seen a storm like this before. And I just, Jesus must have missed it. But he didn't miss it because he calmed the sea immediately. And when the boat landed, it landed at the cemetery where this demoniac was, at the very place. And this is what, where I want us to take up. I don't, 
I, I, I don't want you to think that what I want to do is I want to take this, this demoniac and, and I want to say every one of us have, have had a hard time in our lives. Now, I'm not saying we've been de- demonized. Please, this is, this, this is not the issue. The issue is this guy was having a bad day. Do you all agree with that? He was having a really bad day. And we've had bad days. I had bad days up until I was 30 years old when I met Jesus. And we've all had our times like that. That's what I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to impress you with, that we all have come from some place to where we are now. And most of us have come from some place that wasn't very nice. We wouldn't really want to go back to it. And so here... Jesus showed up, and the same way he showed up in each one of our lives, he showed up right that very moment, and the demoniac comes running. He sees him, he, and, and um, whenever he sees him, it says, the scripture says, that he ran to him, and he fell down, and he worshiped him. Look with me in verse, let me find it here, uh, verse number six. And it says, and when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he worshiped him. You know that he got set free. You know that he met Jesus. As a result of that, we see in verse 19 or in verse 18 that when he got into the boat to leave, Jesus, when Jesus got into the boat to leave, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. Notice that. He begged him that he might be with him. What did Jesus say? However, Jesus did not permit him, but he said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed that's the demoniac, was the former demoniac. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Now, the very first act that this man did was that he fell down and he worshiped him. And then the man, when Jesus went to leave to go back to the other side, said, please, I want to be with you all the time. Jesus said, no, go home and, and tell everyone. And he went and spoke the word in all of Decapolis. This is what I am wanting to say. The man went. Jesus said, no, no, you have worshipped me. You know how to worship me. You've met me. You carry me wherever you go. I am with you. I am on the inside of you. Now I want you to go. It's not enough just to say that you can go with me physically. I will go with you in your heart and in your spirit. There is, there is something that we need to understand about going. There is, there is that we come in and we go out. Whenever we come in, we will go out. Jesus is saying it's not enough 
just to stay with me, you have to go out. You remember when the disciples were on the Mount of Transfiguration, they wanted to stay up there and build tabernacles to him. And he said, no, we've got to go back down into the valley. We've got to go back to the sea of people who are waiting on us. So we can't stay up here. I know this has been a great experience of worship, but come on down off the mountain and let's go to where the people are. But we can't leave the going in behind us because we have to have both experiences we go in to worship God and we come out now we find this this passage of scripture this particular phrase through the scriptures in many places for example one of the when when Solomon uh, became king he said I want to be like my father David I, I I'm just a, a little kid but my father David He had wisdom. I I want greater wisdom. I want wisdom. So would you teach me how to go in and how to come out? How to go in and how to go out? Now, I realize that that was a military term back in those days. But it was a term that that was meant that they would come into the temple to Jerusalem And they would go out to do battle. There was an enemy. We have the same responsibility to go in to worship him and to go out to where the warfare is. To go out to win souls. To to go out to other countries. But we can't go there without going in. Teach us how to come in and how to go out. Moses it was said in Scripture, knew how to go in and how to come out. When he went and pleaded with the Lord to show him who should be his successor, do you know what what he said to God? He said, God, show me a man who can follow me, who knows how to go in and how to come out. What man was it that we always found at the door of the tent of meeting? Who was it? What man was it? Joshua. Joshua, when Moses would go in and meet with God, Joshua would wait at the door of the tent. And Moses would go in and meet with God face to face. And when he would come out and go to the people, Joshua would stay at the door of the tent. Joshua loved the presence of God. Joshua loved to worship him. And God said, then you choose Joshua, for he is the man that knows how to go in and how to come out. And so we too must have this same spirit of knowing how to go in and how to come out. Even Jesus said, I just thought of this, turn Don't lose your place there. Turn to John 10, 10. John 10, not 10, 10. Where do we want to go? John 10, 9. John 10, verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and and will go in and out to find pasture. All through the scriptures we find this. You will go in and out. 
What do we go in for? We go in to worship God. How in the world do you, we think that we have anything to share with other people if we don't have him to share? If we don't have something to give to them? We're not just another organization that, that, that says, well, you come in, join us, and go to work. No, you come in, join us, we're going to worship God. We're going to meet with God, and out of that meeting with God, we're going to find direction in going out, and that he will go with us as we go out and do warfare. I remember whenever I was a young man, and I was working with my dad, who was a bivocational pastor, and he worked for Royal Crown Bottling Company. Any of you remember R.C. Cola? Royal Crown? How many of you never heard of R.C. Cola? A few. R.C. Cola. Well, Dad not only worked a route uh, selling to stores and, and restaurants and things, but he was also like a representative for the, for the area. He would find new businesses for them. And so we, we went to eat uh, one day in one of the restaurants that Dad was hoping to get as a customer. And we, we saddled up to the counter and on the round stools, you know, and I could hardly wait. I loved hamburgers. I loved them and, and French fries. And, and so the waitress came up. Dad had already talked to them about RC Cola. And uh, said, what would you like to eat, young man? And I said, I'd like a hamburger, French fries, and a Coca-Cola. <laughs> and my dad punched me like that and said, R.C. And I said, uh, what? <laughs> he said, R.C. Cola. And I said, not a coat, R.C. <laughs> I said, ma'am, make that an R.C. Cola, please. Like, well, it was already ruined. You know, it was, we, got out, we got out in the truck, and Dad looked at me, and he said, look, if, if, you, if you sell something that you, and you want to drink something else, what does that say? If you're selling it, you want to drink it. If you really sold on what you're selling, then, you'll, then that's what you'll order, and that's what you'll drink. And, and it's almost like what we're sold on is what we will go out with. And when we meet God in worship, we go out with him. I love the, the, print, the picture of the tabernacle of Moses. How many of you know, know a little bit about the tabernacle of Moses? You remember, it's, it has an outer court. It has a holy place and a what? Holy of holies. And you go from the out in. What is in the Holy of Holies? The what? The presence of God, the glory of God. They, some people call it Shekinah glory. It is where the Ark of the Covenant was. And it was the manifest presence of God. So the, the, the thing was, I'm going to move from the outside into, into, the, holy, into the outer court into the holy place and into the holy of holies that's that was the goal and you get there and there you experience the manifest presence of God and the glory of God that's where where the 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 cloud and the pillar of fire would, would when would stop right there and hang in right on top of the holy of holies you've seen pictures of that the Shekinah glory cloud 
of the fire of God that would settle down right over the holy of holies. That's where the presence of God was. And, and, and we, we, we need to understand it's not just the outer court stuff. I love the outer court stuff. It's good. It's not just the holy place. It's not just about the altar of, of, of incense, the prayer altar. It's not just about the candelabra or the lampstand. It's not just about the table of showbread and fellowship. Behind the veil is where the presence of God is. And that's what we're after. The glory of God. And the scripture tells us that it's Jesus in us that is the hope of glory. The hope of glory. What is it that that Paul said in Romans? For all have sinned and come short of what? Being saved or the glory No, we got saved, and we got saved, and when we get saved, we want to move in to where the glory of God is, and we get into where the glory of God is, and we are changed and transformed. We are touched by Him, and we go out, back out into the world, and touch the people around us with Him. Not with us, but with Him, because the glory of God is upon us. And so what are we called first to do? What this man did, he ran and fell down and he worshiped Jesus. I remember the first time that I was in a place, I was in a Catherine Kuhlman meeting and God spoke to my heart and said, would you just worship me? Do what? Worship me. I don't know how to do it. Why don't you just act like, when you start singing, why don't you just act like you love me? And I said, well, I don't have to act like it. I mean, I do love you. Or would you just express that love to me? I said, how, how, how do I do that? He said, just hug me and tell me you love me. And I found myself reaching around, and they were playing some music, and Catherine Kuhlman was on the, up on the stage, and I wrapped my arms around like I was wrapping around Jesus. And I began to say, Jesus, I love you so much. And I sensed the presence of God like I'd never sensed before in my life. And tears started down my face. And next thing you know, next thing you know, I just lift my hands to him and started telling him how much I loved him. And I met him right there. I, I, I didn't even think about my hands being lifted. I wanted just to say, I love you so much. But the scripture talks about lifting hands in worship and bowing down and, and singing. I remember one time, may I tell you a story? I remember one time when we were worshiping, and, and sometimes it was sort of, we'd wonder what people would think of us if we bowed down and really got on our knees. And Sybil went to the altar one time, we were in a time of worship, and we bought our shoes from some really expensive places like DAV. And, uh, you know, disabled American veterans place. And then, <laughs> we, 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 that we, 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 it was, it was in those days. And, and so she had bought a pair of shoes, you know, at the thrift store and it, she didn't realize it, but it still had the tag right on the bottom of the shoe. What? In red Crayola. 25 cents, right like that. And so she, she goes up there, and she leans over like this, and her feet are up like that. And 
People came to, someone came to her afterwards and she thought, oh boy, they're going to say something about me bowing down. They did. Said, well, I know how much you paid for your shoes. <laughs> that was 25 cents. And so, you know, sometimes you might think, well, what will people think of the holes in my shoes? Or maybe if I bow down like this, someone will see my underwear. Or <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but the thing is, it's God's heart to worship him. But we can't stay on the mountain of worship. It is part of it. That's where we get his heart. That's where we get his burden. We worship him. And out of that place of being touched and transformed, we leave on fire with a message. We come out of the holy of holies of worship and we go into the world at the direction of the Lord and we've got something we, to give away. It's not just our head, it's our heart that we have to give away. But we are to go out. What is it that we don't understand about go therefore? And you understand it. And I pray that every one of you do. But this is not just to the church. You say, well, that's our church. We, we are going out. What are you doing as an individual? Think about it. Do you, do you go in? If you go in, you'll want to go out. So maybe you ought to just start with worship. If you're not doing anything in the area of missions, maybe you just ought to start with worship. And then once you begin to worship, then, then listen to the Lord for a word, what I'm supposed to do, and then obey that word. This man wanted to go with Jesus. He wanted to stay in the end place. Jesus says, no, go home. What's interesting about it is this passage right here. I want to read it again in, in uh, Mark 5. However, Jesus did not permit him. But he said, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. And how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and to begin to proclaim in Decapolis and all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Now, did he obey? What did Jesus tell him to do? Don't stay here. Come on. Enough has happened to you. If you're saved, if you can remember the time you were saved, if you can remember what happened to you that day, if you can remember how you felt, if you can remember the touch of God upon your life, you remember that, and you remember what you were like and what, what's happening to, in you now, you've got something to say to go with. And so he's wanting us, now then, I want you to go. Here's what happened. He listened to the word of obedience, and I want to show you what I believe will happen every time if we obey. Maybe it won't be much to you. Maybe he just says, um, get on a team and go. Or maybe he would just say, give $1,000 to this thing. Or maybe just give $10. Maybe, maybe if you would just pray for 15 minutes a day, I want you to do that. That would be a step of going out. If you would pray for missions 15 minutes a day. 
Maybe, I don't know what he would say to you, but I know what he said to this man. Go home and tell them what great things he's done. Guess what? He did that. But he didn't just do that. He went to Decapolis. We believe he was from Gadara, but Decapolis is just one of the places, one of the cities of, of Gadara. Decapolis means Deca, ten polis cities. These ten cities stretched all the way from Damascus to what we know as Amman, Jordan now, which was Philadelphia. And there were ten cities in between there up in the mountains. They were on the east side of the Jordan. Israel is on the west side of the Jordan River. There was only one city of Decapolis that was on the west side of the Jordan, and that's Bethshan. If you ever want to read about it, it was one of the cities of Decapolis, but it was the only one on the west side. And eight of the ten cities were all in the country that we call Jordan today. And if you've ever been there, you, you can look and you, you can even from Jerusalem, you can look and see the mountains of Moab. You can look and see the mountains of Jordan because they rise up so high. My wife and I have an apartment and we have, it's there in Jerusalem. Thank God it's, we can look out our window to the, to the east and we can see to the north, and we can see the southern wall of the old city without any obstruction. God led us through these beautiful people here who let us know the apartment was empty, led us to be to that apartment where we can, when we go over there, we stay a month or six weeks at a time, and we'll go over there, and we wake up every morning, and we look, and there is the old walls of the city, and over here is the Mount of Olives, and over here is the, we can see Caiaphas' house where, where Peter denied Jesus. We can literally see that from our apartment, and, and oh, how glorious it is. But when we look to the east at the clear day, we can see the mountains, the mountains of Moab, the mountains where, where the cities of Decapolis were. I wanted to know about those cities some more. Do you know that they were mostly Greek, then Roman, Greek and Roman. But something happened somewhere along the line, and a great, strong Christian influence moved into those cities. And in all cities that I've studied but one, they have found the remains in excavation of Christian communities. And they became largely Christian for several years. How, how, how did they get to be Christian? Do you remember some years later, maybe a year, not years, but a year later, Jesus was talking to his disciples and to the followers in Jerusalem. And he said, the day is coming when the armies will surround Jerusalem. And when you see that, this is in Matthew 25, when you see that, don't even run back in the house to get your coat. Don't go get a piece of bread. 
Don't do anything. Right where you are then, run for the mountains. Where were the mountains? Where were they? Moab, Jordan, in Decapolis, where the cities of Decapolis were. That was in the mountains. Not mountains the other way. You got the sea the other way. But you got the mountains if you head east. This man obeyed with one word. He went home. But something happened in that act of obedience that led him to go to every city of the capitalist that was Greek and Roman and to turn that place upside down, to find some disciples and to see a Christian community began in every one of those towns. And that happened just directly after Jesus told him to go home. Then that began to happen. In 70 A.D., about 40 years later, they looked out and saw the Roman army surrounding the city and those disciples who believed, I believe, picked up and ran for the mountains, not even knowing what they'd find there, ran without even a coat on their back, ran without food that they carried in their pack, and they ran for the mountains. And when they got there, guess what they found? The cities of Decapolis, with, with most of them were Christian at, in that era, and there were people a Christian community there ready to greet them and to bring them into the community and begin to teach them the things of God and raise them up as a great people of God for that hour. And he only obeyed by going home. And I'm telling you, I'm here tonight to say this to you. Brothers and sisters, each one of you, you don't know what your potential is. You don't know what it is for the kingdom of God. You don't have any idea. But God knows he's created you, each one of you very unique, a very unique person. And you may feel like you're not worth anything, but let me tell you what, worship God, go in. And meet him and let him touch your heart and feel his love and listen to his voice and obey the next little thing that you hear him say. Maybe it'll be one little thing about prayer or one little thing about taking in a, 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 a stray kid or one, I don't know what. But when you do that, you have no idea how that's going to affect the kingdom of God five years from now and 10 years from now and 40 years from now because as you obey in that area, you, you, he'll move you deeper and wider and broader and deeper in ministry than you could ever imagine. But it's got to start someplace. I'm going to go in and I'm going to obey one little thing that I hear God say as I go out with what he's spoken to my heart. So remember this demoniac as a man that got delivered from the world who worshiped God and he went home and told the great things that God had done for him. Remember him like that and remember 
that God has the same pattern for you, for me, for every one of us.